Hi, you're watching Green Planet, Blue Planet, and I'm here today with Carrie Anderson. Big pleasure to be with you today, Carrie. Feeling the same. <laughs> nice, wonderful. Carrie, you're well known for the book you published called Mutuality Matters, as well as a TED talk you gave here in San Francisco, actually. And I want to dive deep with you into the concept and the understanding of mutuality and kind of how mutuality doesn't just matter, but actually is a birthing place for opportunities and a new way of living and being with each other. That's a beautiful way to put it. I, I realize it evolves slowly in me, but the more we get self-aware, we don't project as much onto other people. And I believe most of us want adventure that's fun and enlivening. And when I feel that way, I can listen more deeply and notice what comes up for other people. And in mutuality, it's seeking that sweet spot of shared interest, especially in our world today where bad and good can hit faster. Every new tech, I believe, will have an up and down side. And the people that can help it have more of an upside are ones that have unexpected allies. And with a mutuality mindset, then we inevitably um, attract people to us and are attracted to them by what we agree with. And we can even genially disagree. So can I tell you one quick example? Please, yeah, just jump right in. Um, I was being absent-minded going down an elevator to go into a ballroom where I was to speak and I thought how dumb of me. I just had been mulling things over and I opened up the uh, elevator door and bashed into this guy accidentally and he went toppling over and I was so upset and he took me says, is that how you always introduce yourself to people? <laughs> and I just cracked up laughing and I said, are you always so grounded? He said, oh, this is going to be a back and forth, huh? <laughs> and, and he said, do you want to help me up? I said, sure. And he got up and he was so tall. And we wound up just chatting. I said, I'm late to go to a ballroom, so I'll walk you there. I said, oh, good, because I have no sense of direction. By the time we got there, he said, you don't know who I am, do you? I said, should I? And he actually is a basketball player for the Golden State Warriors. Oh, wow. And we wound up having, I will just not say his name out of privacy, but we got a cross-coach mutual mentor each other. I got to help him figure out when he's talking to um, journalists how to metaphorically relate to the kinds of scenes he wanted when he's no longer a warrior. So that that's interesting. It's it's joy on so many levels. I learn more about myself. He's so fun. Um, he and his wife. We just crack up when we go places and people stare at us like, "What are you doing together?" <laughs> yeah. So that's mutuality leads to joy. It leads to learning. And it leads to unexpected places if yeah. you just listen deeply and find that sweet spot. Very interesting. So like listening in the moment when something happens, because you know yourself as somebody who is normally really present, I would assume, and you wouldn't bash <laughs> into someone, but the moment it happens, you realize, oh, maybe this happens for a mutual reason. That's exactly well put. And it was a very embedded lesson. He was so grounded, his first response, and you can't just have that for the first time, was to be warm and connect rather than be pissed. Right. Very authentic. I think this is something that matters to a lot of people right now on the planet in 2019. This idea of serendipity and synchronicity. But I guess not just as an esoteric kind of playful thing that happens once in a while, but making sense out of it and starting to use it and leverage it for more authentic connections, for deeper bonds and for well, I guess both friendships, relationships, but also business, because we can use the fabric of the universe, I guess, how it's wanting us to connect with other people. 
That's so well put. You're clearly a writer and you're right. And when that becomes our attitude in life, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy going into it. Because I think in any situation, no matter who it is, you listen closely. And this is rare in our culture. You ask follow-up questions. And then you say, do you have an example for that? And it brings out the interesting side in them, so it makes it more interesting for us. And it's always led in places I could not have guessed. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you, you learn the different ways to practice it that feel just natural over time. Very cool. So Kari, I can ask you about these practices. So what would a practice look like in your day-to-day -day life? I think one of the things that was important is it starts with understanding yourself better. Two parts. Your core mission in life. There's a wonderful book called The Category of One. Mm -hmm. And he said, find out what your interrelated top traits and talents and mission are. And how they evolve into one thing. So you become one of a kind. And so for me, I realized since I grew up a stutterer and was diagnosed as publicly shy, when basically I just didn't know how to speak when I was young. Wow. And what, what it turned into was I really craved connections that felt real, not fake. And listening was important. So I think that daily practice for me is self-clarity leads to specificity about what your key talents are and your hot buttons. Like mm. it still remains for me are people who dominate, take over a conversation, are rude to other people, and other ones are being, using generalizations. Well, it's very human, most people do. But I can get snotty until I worked on it because I get, said, what's specific? So the power in getting specific is you have greater self-clarity, which means you're less likely to be misunderstood, you're more credible, and you're more memorable. So the more you find certain lessons you want to learn and practice, um, it just pops up. You don't have to say, well, what am I going to do now? It comes from some place inside you. Like it was clear when you walked in, you're real grounded. You talked about what you wanted. It was all, you have a flow. And so I just noticed when people flow, and when they have bumps, I thought, there's a new lesson I get to learn because there are psychic bumps in them. Got it. Wow. So you're speaking a lot about the concept of being memorable. How does that help in the process of getting to know myself when I'm almost like, what I take from it is almost like being prepared for when you share? Um, I think there's a way to be prepared, but there's so many unexpected things that come up, mm. even with people you believe you know well. I think it's just noticing when there's a rise in energy, for example, either negative or positive, and seeing what their pattern is, and just saying, how do I want to respond? Because, as you know, I really believe in bringing out someone's better side. Because when we first were taught we should be likable, it's, how can I be likable? But instead, it's, how do they feel when they're around me? And that's right. more important. So I think we just practice things as a flow. And, it's, and I find it, I call it talking to me. Because me, well, there's things just that come out in my mind. Whether I believe there's a God or not, I don't know. But I feel like sometimes a voice is talking to me, through me, and that's the path I'm supposed to be on. I know there's got to be a better way to say it, but that flow makes so much of a difference in life. I love, I love what you're sharing, because I guess almost everyone has their own relatability to what you just said. There is a voice inside of us. There is this 
there's these multiple voices inside of us, right? The, the, yes. the nagging voice that kind of bogs you down and holds you back, and then this yes. inspired voice that helps you to take action and see kind of the, the path of light even before it happens. And I guess where yes. a lot of people that are listening to this are also at is understanding that this is everyday reality, so how do I practice in that? How do I get better at that? And how do I spark opportunity through this? I believe it's pull, not push. And when you see a spark of connection the other person does, then you ask for clarity. So it seems like we share an interest in, would it be fun to explore it? Like, not really. Then think that's what they mean. Or, yes, let's do it. But for me, one of the thrills is I realize how much I like being around people who don't look or act like me because it's accelerated learning. When I came up with that um, motivation, it made it easier. And I'll just say, one of the beauties in life after being a journalist so long is three people who look and act totally differently, who stand up together and advocate one thing they all agree on. It's, it has interestingness. It pulls people in. And once I've done that with two people, I say, you know, it's clear we don't agree on some things, but there's one thing. And wouldn't it be fun and make us feel good if we got specific and took a stand on that and did it with some people? And they said, no, no, I think it's just being too pushy. I said, well, we could do it um, in a conversation. But every time we've done it once, we were so startled by how people said, oh, tell me more about that. And we grew closer. And we'd even get into things like, um, well, you know, what she says about Trump is so different than what I say. But, you know, the other part is, and then people crack up laughing. So it brings out a theatrical part in other people. Um, that was like a side benefit. I didn't know what happened. <laughs> very, very interesting. So what I hear you say is that the moment we go beyond our differences of mind, and we're actually relating on the level of heart, mind, and also well, hand, right? This like, what are we actually doing in this life? And what are we, yes. once this conversation is over, how do we uh, turn back into our, let's say, working mode? And you're uniting all those three in a person, but then also relating them to each other? Yes, and I let it, them do the relating to each other too sometimes. And I think being candid and not pushy really helps. And to say, I suggest this, or why don't we talk about that? Well, how about that? Or to say, I heard from other people that you were able to do this and this. It seems like there's a pattern in that. Can we talk about it? So letting someone talk and have things flow out they haven't thought about or they have, and then picking a part of it and saying, could you tell me more about that? And I said, it's always led us forward. Mm -hmm. um, and I think when you're staring at someone so different, after a while we sort of laugh. We yeah. say, imagine we're here talking about this. And I like humor. And I like, I don't... I'm not good at jokes or even remembering them, but I love someone else's a dry sense yeah. of humor. So being around that and just laughing, it helps light up the room. Absolutely. I think a smile has so much power and sharing laughter, like the moment we are feeling laughter in our bellies, it's just, it, tra it transcends, right? Yeah. Laughter uh, in our bellies and also in other places. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's very cool. So. As we're speaking about mutuality and laughter and joy and humor, um, maybe we can find a way to describe the word happiness just through your own words. When you feel or think of happiness, how does that really look for you? I feel lit up and lighter. That's such a good way to ask. 
when I'm feeling happy because I see somebody I've admired deeply um, be heard or have a success because of it. And also when I see someone in a really poignant, poignant place and there's a way that someone near me or myself, we bring them comfort and we don't push at it. Um, it just lifts me up. So to me, it's, it's an emotional lift. And I think happiness too is just literally, I love being outdoors and I'll say, walking with people, the research shows when we walk side by side, we get in sync. So wow. I've advocated, you know, walk to the meeting together. You'll often have a more insightful time on the way there. Um, and they found that to be true. And I say, let's sit at the table that's round or oval rather than rectangular or square. We get along better. So there are ways that, that more than we realize settings affect us. Um, and so when we say that to each other, and I remember someone said, well, we've been disagreeing for about 10 minutes. I think we should go walk. <laughs> and I said, oh, yes. He said, fast. <laughs> <laughs> but, but humor can cut back and we can laugh at each other and it flows in a better direction. Those to me are signs that it's happiness that feels real. Yeah. So thank you for that answer on happiness, because I think happiness is such a kind of mythical term for a lot of people. We're all in the pursuit of happiness, yet happiness is, for me personally, it can be such a simple thing, and often it does have to do with how I relate to the world around me. And I enjoy this idea of being in sync with people and really watching, well, our awareness of ourselves, but also the awareness of what in life and how does science maybe prove that um, gets us in sync regularly and how can I integrate that into my daily habit, my daily life? I think getting in sync is an acceleration that once you do it once and you see it, I mean for example a side effect for me is I've gotten empathetic but what I know in empathy is now when I see something that disturbs me deeply or even seeing something sad I tend to cry mm -hmm. and um, I don't know why but I can't stop myself on it and I just have got to believe that's part of my path forward uh, of deep feeling. So noticing what pulls what out in you. I think that self-awareness that I feel comfortable, I'm not rushing, because there's a tempo that's right for every situation. And when we get a sense of being in sync, it's a physical tempo, it's um, situational. And again, it's not trying to be in charge. Uh, but to be with. Oh, that's super powerful. Not being in charge, but to be with. I want to bring that into one of my favorite topics, which is purpose. And after interviewing about 70 people on the idea of purpose, I know that purpose means different things to different people. It sure does. Yeah. And I really would love to understand through your eyes and your work in the field of mutuality, how mutuality and purpose are kind of maybe connected or how that listening in from mutuality unlocks purpose? I think purpose, you've got to know that there's got to be a firmness about it and a flexibility because a lot of the biggest lessons in life there's an apparent contradiction but it's really true and for me the purposefulness in life I want people to become more self-aware about their hot buttons and their talents and you don't want to sit down and say that all the mm. time sometimes it's the right thing but for me, a core purpose is bringing together people, becoming the glue that holds them together, and that then we take turns being the glue, and they say, wow, I held this together. Because I profoundly believe 
that kind of power is priceless. And once they realized that they had input and that they could ask questions. So for me, purposefulness is finding where the meaning comes, finding where it uses your talents, uh, and getting increasingly specific and knowing it's an evolving thing. Hmm. There may be more than one core purpose, but sticking to it um, and being aware. And that's part of meditation for me. Yeah. I do a meditation right after my creative time in the day to sit and let my mind go blank. And it took a lot of work to do it, but I do. And then things float in my mind. And I strongly advocate that for people to sit. And for me, sitting where there's a cushion like here, sitting where there's some sunlight and nature, sitting where there's quietude or, or I like certain kinds of music that just um, a cappella music mm -hmm. or classic. And then things float. So then I say it out loud and I write it down. I'm not saying everybody needs that path, but getting specific about how you come to know your purposefulness and what it looks like. And to praise people when you see it in their moment. To say, boy, this is the third time I've noticed you do that. That must be a part of your purpose. Because my um, bureau chief, when I worked for the uh, Wall Street Journal, he said, you taught me a talent I didn't know I had. He said, you said I cited this three times. Wait till I tell my wife that. And it just was thrilling to me. Because I said, well, you remember when you first hired me. You taught me a talent I didn't know I had, and that led to it. He says, yeah, when I said you asked too many questions that were not related to the story I sent you out to do, and I said, well, please write the story and get it done on time. But then those other things you got him to say, because some people get slapped in the face that they kept asking questions, that might come up for another story. Hmm. And, and so when he told me that, I said, yes, I remember that now. Ways we can help other people in our purposefulness. It helps us and ours, and knowing it. Yeah, after reading your book, I think this is one of the pieces that has kind of stayed with me and that's continuously like forming ripples, ripples of impact just in the way I'm thinking, is how mutuality and the loop of mutuality might be much larger than we think. So in this example, right, it starts yes. in this minute example of, of him maybe telling you to ask your questions more specifically, <laughs> but over years, it comes back to you and you realize that this is all connected. Oh, I like that metaphor, that loop, thank you, that, that makes sense to me. And that it goes larger and it takes you some directions. That really rings bells for me. Mm -hmm. I do. Because I think we want things to circle around and we can't over plan which ones do and how it doesn't. Yeah, it's very hard Thank you, very much. in the beginning to anticipate how yes. how this is going to now create the next connection and five years later in retrospect the red thread through life is very visible. So I like seeing it yes. before it happens, just trusting that kind of um, joy. And I, I, in your book I could yes. tell that was written all over it. So Kari, you have another thing that you I, I see in all of your work which is being precise with your language and almost being, we said earlier, repeatable or quotable. And I want to ask you for three lessons that <laughs> you can just share that life has taught you either as an author or a speaker. One of them is, it's called the curse of knowledge. When we know so much, we forget about the core part or how to share it with others. And so, like you learn as a journalist, 
start with a specific example, because a specific example can prove a general conclusion, but not the reverse. Until we get clear about our core purpose, our message, we can't do that. Mm -hmm. And that helps to be more quotable. And also, um, I call it triangle talk. When you're talking, address their interests first, how it seems to relate to something that you have in mind, and then confirm it or not. And I think that's another way that you become quotable because you move them around, they're listening strongly, and then you add to it. Um, but the power of specificity is what really has struck me a lot in it. And how just even if I said, oh, that is Mediterranean blue, it's better than just blue. Mm -hmm. um, and the anecdote, and wow. the unexpected comparison of the anecdotes um, can startle people, and you need startling to awaken um, not in a rude way, but those are some of the lessons that occur to me. Very, very curious. Yeah, I, I do relate to this idea of awakening people in each moment. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be rough, but it, it, <laughs> it does want to be some kind of interest sparking. Yes, yes. Super curious concepts you're sharing here. I have one more question, and I always ask this question because this is really how I started this journey of this podcast and this, these video interviews. And the question is, if we as humanity had a shared vision for the planet, for our own species, a vision that goes 50 years, 100 years, even more into the future, what would be your version of that? It'd be a version where people realize to overcome loneliness and inadequacy or anger, the best way was to look at every situation and say, where do we come together? Where does it float? And I think one of the best ways that for you who've traveled in parts of the world, and I have, is to realize how I see insights from people whose culture is so different. And I learn, oh wow, if I did that, that would be interesting. So I think if there's a common vision or a desire or curiosity about it, we, we can see we want to be on paths together. So our priority is not, oh, I'm so angry about this, which we may not fully understand why, but oh, I am so inspired watching that ritual or that action that person took or the stand and I hope down the line that becomes more a focus rather than hot reaction against what we don't like. Wow. So a true culture of mutuality starting with learning to accept our differences or, or using our differences specifically? Yes. And also realizing how much it enables us to grow, because if we hang out with people, look and act the same as us, it's not only as stunts our learning, it can get boring and it can reinforce the rigidity and mm -hmm. what we think is true in life. Yeah. Wow, yes, so that was a lot of goodness in just a short half an hour. Kari, is there anything else you want to share, uh, anything else you feel called to share right now? I think what I wish for most, it is a jumbled life and hacking and um, digital stuff is going to happen all over. It's for us to make sure we're having in-person conversation with people and feeling it and smelling what's around us and looking for where we can add to the greater good. That to me is not a one-time lesson. It's got to be a recurring reminder, especially when we get so upset. Like I'm really upset about kids being separated from their parents on the things about the border crossing. Mm -hmm. And I see those pictures and I just cry and I feel anger, but I thought, anger's not going to take me anywhere. 
I'm looking for people who offer bigger, better, brighter pictures, so it's not what they're against in that picture, but something that pulls people in and says, wow, that makes sense to me, that bigger, brighter picture. Wow. <laughs> and yeah. thank you for the insights. You asking me questions, you're, I know this is a talent you're aware of, you help me clarify, and that's the highest compliment I can give you. I really appreciate thank that you. a lot. I really believe in the power of asking questions and I really believe in exactly the world you described where we can leverage our differences to inform ourselves more and more. And unfortunately I haven't really witnessed that we live in a world where that's common practice. I know it is common practice for a lot of us and probably for most people who are watching right now. <laughs> and yet I think it takes all of us to continuously practice that and continuously bring that into every day. Uh, very much including myself. So thank you for the time. Thank you for this beautiful setting. Uh, this is an incredible place uh, here in Sao Salido and I had the pleasure of watching the birds come and go from this <laughs> bird feeder in the garden. Um, very interesting how small pieces of joy really help keep the energy very elevated. Oh that's so true. It's so true. It's a spark that glows and I really do believe happiness glows. Yeah.